Cartridge blowers out there. This is N64 Life with myself, Cliff Foster, aka the amazing Cliff, on the old Twitter, your guide through the world's greatest computer game console of all time, the Nintendo 64. And welcome to the penultimate episode of 2021. We've made it, ladies and gentlemen. Finally, apologies for the delay again, but. Hey ho, life. Um, as I said, penultimate episode. This is a battle for Jinjos today, but we will be finishing the year with our Christmas special slash end of year special, where some of you will be involved. Ooh, want to know how? Well, wait around. Wait until the end of the show to find out. However, big hint, you can claim to get a shout out on this channel, on this podcast, from going on to the Twitch channel and claiming chat points. And you can claim your chat points to get a shout-out. So, without further ado, let's give some shout-outs. So, first of all, we've got Amorpha. We've got Phil, agent underscore 616. We've got Neil. We've got Matty Boo Twitches, who finally is joining me back on Sunday Spectaculars. I can't wait for a bit of Matty Vision before our lovely Sunday specials with the legend of Arsewipe and the matey in the mask. So come and join that. Come and join that. Sundays, starting at about 6.30. It's awesome. Um, We've got James as well. We've got Sean. Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. You're right. I'm going to give you the wave, as well as Emma. Hi, Emma. Hi, Emma. She's waving. Hi, Emma. Oh, look at that. Some lovely shout-outs there from you guys. This is you guys. And do you know what? I, I, I put up earlier today on Twitter about the goals for this channel over 2022. And there's only really three goals that I want. And that is to create more content than 2021. To make at least one of you smile and just have a bit of fun. Um, That's all I want from this. And I, I, I do... I have sort of set the challenge of, right, I want to double... At least double the podcasts um, before uh, the end of 2022, um, because that included some episodes from the end of 2009, uh, sorry 2020, going into 2021. So yeah, it would be really, really nice if we could at least double the amount of podcasts. That's the only goal I'm setting myself. Now, I would love to do this weekly. I would <laughs> want to make it back bi-weekly, like it was. Um, so. But obviously work and that do get in the way. And I do, do you know what? I really appreciate you guys sticking around. Obviously, I have got the Twitch channel. I do go on there, you know, twice a week. I create five hours worth of content on there. Um, But fundamentally, this started as a podcast. It will always continue as a podcast. I love podcasting. It's brilliant. Brilliant. I'm really happy that I'm doing this now. And I was glad that I had... I put faith in myself to create a podcast by myself because really hard just talking by yourself without anybody here. Anakin's here. He's on the sofa. I literally turned around to look. He's on the sofa. Say hi, Anakin. Hi, Anakin. 
He's, he's waving. He isn't. He's a dog. He's not waving. He's a dog. Why would he be waving at you anyway? Anyway, shall we go on to today's episode? Because the penultimate episode of 2021 is a battle for Jinjos. And we will be seeing these two games facing off against each other. Resident Evil 2. Yes, Resi 2 is facing off against this game. Shadow Man. Oh, oh, it's almost like this was the Halloween special and it's just been really delayed um, because, yeah, life. <laughs> but, but let's, here we go. Resident Evil 2 versus Shadow Man. Let's do this. Here we go. A battle for Jinjos. And I hear some of you cry, but Cliff, what is a battle for Jinjos? For <laughs> sake, we've done enough of these already. Come on, you know what a battle for Jinjos is. It's where these two computer games, we fight off to collect five Jinjos, five categories. The first one being storyline, second one being gameplay, third one being uh, sound and graphics, uh, the fourth one being what the critics thought of this, the so critics scores, and the final fifth Jinjo. The most important Jinjo is what you lot for. So if you haven't already seen, go to the Twitter, uh, N64Life Podcast. Go and follow me there. Go, go, go off now. I'll, I'll lay you two, two seconds. Go on. Are you back now, bro? Go and follow that. And every, about a week before um, every one of these podcasts come out, when it is a battle for Jinjos, you get your chance to have your say. Um, please come and join the Discord channel as well. Uh, there's a link in the, the notes below, so go and click that point i'm not pausing again anyway shall we start this resident evil 2 released on the n64 that's really vital on the n64 that was released on october the 31st halloween 1999 in north america japan on january 28th 2000 and in europe February 9th, 2000, uh, published by Capcom and developed by Flagship and Angel Studios, whose mission was to get this huge PlayStation classic, and I mean huge in the way of popularity as well as size, onto a cart. Now, we have discussed this plenty of times before, and no game will emphasize this as much as this game of trying to get certain games over to the cart format this cart was the biggest cart that has ever been created for this console 
at 64 megabytes. Everything squeezed on. And we will go into what was lost and what was kept when squeezing that on there. And they really did do the unthinkable of getting two CDs worth of information across to this car. Um, and and it, it kept 90% of what people loved about the game, the looks, the cutscenes. It's just brilliant how they, they managed to do this. Um, and it shows the true power, not just of the teams, because... They were given a $1 million um, budget and 20 people to do this. And that that's incredible. With a team that size to be able to do it, $1 million to get it across to this format. I don't think it was ever done at that scale of conversion ever again. But it doesn't just show the true power of that team. It shows the true power of this console and what it was able to do. And it actually was a bit of slap in the face to the likes of Square that had recently or actually at the beginning of this console's lifespan, left because they felt that they could not develop their games on this console. Um, the series itself started back in 1996 um, as Biohazard in Japan, uh, created by, here we go, Clifford's going to butcher some more Japanese name, uh, Shinji uh, Mikami, 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 uh, later creator of the Dino Crisis series, and uh, Tokuro uh, Fiji Wawa, Wow, 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 Wow. We're gonna say Wow, Wow. I don't know if that's right. I do apologise to everyone that I butchered their name. Um, and then written by Nobuo uh, Sugumura, uh, Mura, uh, Sugumura. There we go. I do not say that one. Um, so yeah, so they are iconic to that uh, that Capcom series, you know, very much all developing uh, latter games as well as the Mega Man games before and really being, you know, influential uh, behind Capcom's rise to uh, stardom. Um, uh, I mean, like, you look at, let's say, Capcom before. We, we know of uh, Capcom, you know, Ghost and Goblins, uh, Bionic Commando, Mega Man... Um, as well as uh, a certain fighting series. Uh, that, yeah, do you know what? I'm not even going to give them a shout-out. They get plenty of praise. Um, I mean, Capcom is a huge brand. Huge, huge brand. But at this time, before the Resident Evil series, I think they had a bit of a weird transition over to the 30-bit uh, console series. Um, the 5th gen uh, consoles. I think that it wasn't until really Resident Evil that they really, really found their feet in the Western market again, um, as they did with that fighting franchise. Um, so it's the sequel, but it's the first time on the N64, but you will be battling again against the Umbrella Corporation that no, is not run by an evil Mary Poppins. Unfortunately not. It's, uh, yes, just they create bioweapons in a city in the Midwest of America called Raccoon City. And the first one involved a mansion where Hi. happened, but it didn't happen on the N64. But did it really happen? Um, they did make up for this um, that it, in a nice way that they didn't just assume people would know the story. So there's loads of lovely little Easter eggs and sort of niggles to the previous stories of... Uh, obviously Resident Evil 1, as well as Code Veronica, all the way through this, which is really, really nice that they didn't just assume, oh, well, 
these are just Resident Evil fans that have come along for the ride. No, they, they actually thought to themselves, these people might not actually know what this series is, which was really nice. So it didn't even feel like you necessarily had to play the originals, which was really, really good. So the storyline itself. Do you know what? Here we go. Ooh, gonna stretch myself out. Here we go. Ugh. It's gonna be a hell of a story. Courtesy of Wikipedia. <laughs> usually use wikipedia for anything but i was like oh, i'm just gonna read it what wikipedia says if there's, if there's any errors in this blame wikipedia so on september 29th 1998 two months after the events of the first resident evil most citizens of the midwestern american mountain community called south park i mean raccoon city have been transformed into zombies by the t-virus a biological weapon secretly developed by the pathological path company umbrella leon s kennedy a police officer on his first day of duty imagine this being your first day of duty like like most people, it would be like that. there's been a bit of a domestic dispute or, or something like that or just something simple. No, zombies. That's your first day, Leon. Zombies. Uh, meets, anyway, uh, meets Claire Redcliffe, uh, so Redcliffe-field, a college student looking for her brother, Chris. Like, that's what college students do to describe that place. Um, after being uh, separated, they each make their way to the Raccoon Police Department. They discover the, that most of the police force have been killed and that Chris... No, not most of the police force. Most of the town. Like, don't concentrate on just the police force. The whole town's been converted to zombies and that Chris has left the town to invest their Umbrella's headquarters in Europe. Hang, hang on. Hang on. We've just been through a pandemic. They closed, like, all the airports. Like, how are you getting out of the country? To get to Europe to invest. Okay. <sighs> Just, I don't get it. Anyway, they split up to look for the survivors and find a way out of the city. While searching for an escape route, Claire met, meets a little girl, Sherry Birkin, who is uh, on the run from an unknown creature. And Leon encounters Wadawang. Wadawong, that's what we're going to call them, uh, who claims to be looking for her boyfriend, John, an umbrella researcher from Chicago. Raccoon City Police Chief Brian Irons had been bribed by Umbrella to hide evidence of the company's experiments on the outskirts of the city. He's He concealed their development of a new G-virus, an agent capable of mutating a human into an ultimate bioweapon. Leon has multiple encounters with a tyrant, a monster airdropped into Raccoon Police Department by Umbrella to seek the G-Virus. Irons tries to murder Claire, but is killed by the G-Virus mutant on the in the police department. Claire and Sherry escape through the sewers and become separate. After splitting up with Leon, Adder finds Sherry and picks up a golden pendant the girl lo loses while running away. Further in the, into the sewers, Adder reluctantly teams up with Leon again after he insists on his duty to protect her. They encounter a middle-aged woman who fires at Adder, but Leon jumps between them 
and takes a bullet for himself. It's his first day on the job. It's, it's his first damn day. He's taken a bullet now. What the? C come on. Come on. It's his first day and he's taken a bullet and zombies have taken. Come on. Computer games. Um, anyway. <laughs> Adder ignores the unconscious Leon. He's been left for dead. No, for God's sake. And follows the woman who reveals herself to be Sherry's mother, Annetta, uh, the and the wife of William Birkin, the umbrella scientist who created the G-Virus in an attempt to protect his life work from special agents sent by Umbrella Headquarters. He injected himself with the virus. That's never a good idea. Don't inject yourself with viruses. It's really... N That's really silly. Um, which has turned him into a ma mal uh, malformed creature and is chasing Sherry because of her genetic makeup. Annetta recognizes her daughter's pendant and attempts to take it from Ada. A fight ensues during which Annetta is thrown over a railing. Jesus Christ, it's getting violent. Ada learns that the golden locket contains a sample of the G-Virus. Don't carry virus. Anyway, um, <laughs> taken over by her emotions, returns it to Leon. Uh, sorry, returns to Leon, uh, tending to his bullet wound. Oh, finally, Leon's getting some attention. Jesus Christ, is gripping. Meanwhile, Claire is renewed, reunited with Sherry and discovers that William has implanted his daughter with an embryo... What? An embryo to produce offspring. I don't know what to say. Is this Wikipedia? Anyway, Leon, Adder, Claire, and Sherry advance through uh, an abandoned factory, collecting, uh, connecting to Umbrella's secret underground research facility. An attack by William leaves Adder heavily wounded, and Leon explores the laboratory fi to find something to treat her wounds. He is interrupted by a psychotic Anetta who explains to him that Adder's relationship with John was only a means to getting information about Umbrella. Adder is a spy sent to steal the G-Virus for an unknown organization. God, wow, there's there's a bigger, scary organization than, than Umbrella? That run by the woman from Bedknobs and Broomsticks. That That's... that's me recalling a joke because I said the umbrella was made by Mary Poppins. Anyway, just as Annetta is about to shoot Leon, the tyrant appears and she is forced to retreat. Adder returns to save Leon and battles the tyrant, which falls into a pit of molten metal. That escalated quickly, seemingly at the cost of his own life. She confesses her love to Leon. What? who leaves behind her motionless body. However, Adder survives. This is this Wikipedia with me. Anyway, meanwhile, Annetta uh, tries to escape with another sample of the G-Virus, but is fatally wounded by her mutated husband. However, before she dies, she tells Claire how to create a vaccine that will stop 
the mutations caused by the embryo uh, within Sherry. After preparing the cure, Leon and Claire reunite at an emergency escape train and inject Sherry with the vaccine, which saves her life. Victory! Um, en route, Leon assists in terminating the now-mutated super tyrant by Ada, who escapes with the G-Virus pendant. William, now mutated into an algromation of flesh and teeth, follows Leon and Claire, but is destroyed when the train self-destructs. After escaping the city with Sherry, Leon intends to take down Umbrella while Claire continues to search for Chris. Hunk, one of the surviving special agents sent by Umbrella, completes his G-Virus retrieval mission. So that means you got it all along. Oh, well, a hell of a story. And do you know what? I think that's what people, you know, still to this day, still to this day, we are getting... You know, I think we just had... If I'm right... <laughs> God, this is where I'm wrong. We just had Resident Evil 8. Resident Evil Village. Want to say it's 8. I'm so sorry to Resident Evil fans if it wasn't 8. I know you really like the super sexy vampire. But I'm a retro gamer, so I, I don't tend to look past 4. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm stuck in the past of an old fuddy-duddy. Anyway... It's a really, really good story. Um, obviously, Resident Evil goes without saying. One of the best franchises of the last 20 years. Let's go on to a franchise which could be considered one of the most underrated. So, Shadow Man for the N64 was released in North America on August 24th, 1999 and released in Europe on September 3rd, 1999, and no Japanese release, which usually means that it sold less. Let's see if Clifford's little theory of every time this happens is going to be the case comes true again, because Resident Evil 2 was released in Japan as well as North America and Europe. So let's see if I'm right again, shall we? Um, it's based on a comic book series by Valiant Comics because we've already visited this, but Acclaim actually bought out the rights to Valiant Comics, and it's it's not going to be the only game franchise we see. Obviously, we've seen Turok in the past. Um, this is Shadow Man, so it's loosely based off of the comic book. Um, we, we will see other franchises later on. And in fact, hopefully, the beginning of next year, we should, will have a special guest to speak about that we're gonna talk about it in depth he knows a lot more than i do about the situation and valiant comics as a franchise and i can't wait to have him on but do you know what that's called spoilers you kind of have to wait aren't you um it's been created uh, the game was created by uh, sorry the the franchise was created by jim shooter um as well as uh, steve Inglehart, uh, David Lapham, um, and the the comic book series itself has sold 5.3 million copies to date. So that's a lot of units that it shifted. Um, It's had over 80 uh, issues published, um, as well as four different people taking the mantle of the Shadow Man. So it's, it's not one of those things like... It's one particular character. It's very similar to, let's say, in my world of comic books. So uh, pl- there's been plenty 
of uh, people that have been Venom. There have been people that have been Carnage because it's a symbiote suit and it takes a host, um, as well as Spider-Man himself, I suppose. There have been people that have been Spider-Man. You know, Batman. There's been plenty of people that have been Batman. It's just a sort of not the same person. And poor Robin, which is the cursed chalice. Like in any comic book franchise, Robin is the cursed chalice of... If you get this, you're either going to become mentally unstable or die. <laughs> poor Robin. The boy wonder. More like the poor blunder. Anyway, let's go on to the story behind Shadow Man. Here we go. Um, this is the story of the game. It, it, it's weird that it sort of drops you in at this random point back in 1888 where Jack the Ripper, lamenting the fact his ritualistic murders have not unlocked a mystical power that belie he believes exists, prepares to perform a ritual upon himself at the expense of his own life. <laughs> a man named Legion appears and tells Jack that the power he seeks does exist and offers the sh to share this power with him if Jack constructs an insane asylum for like-minded killers in Deadside. Now I'll explain what Deadside is in a minute, okay? The land of the dead. It... it it sort of explains what dead side was there. Anyway, uh, proclaiming, uh, for we are many, Jack commits suicide. That's us traveling back forward in time. Yeah. In the present day, Michael LaRue becomes the Covent Shadow Man, a lineage of voodoo warriors to protect the, the live, live side. The live side. So I'll explain what the live side is in a minute. The la world of the living. Oh, shit, it did it again. From threats crossing over from dead side. I'm not explaining it again. After the l voodoo priestess, Mamanetti, bonds the masker shadows to him. So that, that gives him the powers of switching between the two places. There you go. I explained it. Um, Nettie has a prophetic dream uh, that Legion is preparing to usher in the apocalypse by claiming the Dark Souls. Not the games. She's not going to just go and collect all the Dark Souls games. Because that would be a really shit game. Um, <laughs> just die every 10 seconds. The immortal souls, oh, okay, of the damned warriors. This gas better. Um, and using them to create an immortal army and send it into living, live side, the place where the living live. Uh, Nettie reveals that Michael cannot stop the five, a group of serial killers recruited by Legion without his power. The five who each have a dark soul within them are head hiding in Liveside, where Michael's powers do not work during the day. You know, storyline. Uh, Michael travels to da Dead Side. God, here we go. And uses his dead brother's teddy bear, which serves as a link between both worlds. After collecting all the dark souls in Deadside and passing trials set by the gods of Deadside, Michael assembles a magical knife called Escalibur. No, not Escalibur. 
Eclipser. There you go. Uh, returning to life size, Nettie uses Eclipser to trigger an Eclipse. Conveniently named then. Which enables Michael to become the Shadow Man in Live Sides. Bingo! Or why didn't they just do it at night? Surely. Hang on a minute. Said they couldn't use it during the day. So why didn't they just do this at night? Why did they have to cause an eclipse? What's the sun got to do? Got to do with it? What's the sun got to do with Shadow Man's powers? Sort of fits the song, doesn't it? Anyway. Uh, the ritual drains Nettie of her powers and causes her to go into a deep sleep. Mm, that sounds lovely. Michael returns to Deadside and finds the asylum as well as the dark engine which powers it. Michael finds uh, his long dead brother Luke within the dark engine along with several paths to Lifeside which leads to the, the hiding places of the five. Michael defeats the five and claims each of their souls in the progress. During this time, Michael finds Jack the Ripper's diary, which contains the instructions on how to shut down the engine. That's a really bad idea. If you're going to create this weapon of mass destruction, one, don't don't be every James Bond villain and give it a Hi. countdown. Why do places give things countdowns? If you're just going to do it, if you want to do it, if you're certain you're going to do something, just do it. Don't give it a countdown. Maybe I've just caused the end of the world there. Maybe I've just made a James Bond villain go, he's right. But it's true. And as well as, if you're going to make a bloody machine, don't then write a convenient book that someone can find and say, oh, well, this is how you bloody destroy it. Because then, they, then what's the point? <sighs> anyway, Michael returns to Deadside and shuts down the machine using the convenient book. Given Luke his teddy bear back, oh, how are we going to transfer between the two? And Luke reveals himself to be Legion in disguise. <gasps> Trickery. Hang on a minute. If he, hang on. No, no. Wait, wait, wait. Right. If he's the main bad guy and Michael's going around destroying the thing, why doesn't he just stop him? <sighs> Legion reveals. That he sent Letty to the Netty the dream so that Michael would be forced to collect all the Dark Souls and confront Legion, enabling Legion to claim all of the souls at once and use them to power the engine, creating his army and sending it to life sides. Evil maniacal laugh. After an intense battle, Michael gives Legion all the souls whose combined powers overwhelms Legion and kills him, destroying the asylum as well. However, Michael is now stranded in Deadside and embraces his position as Lord of Deadside. I mean, to get that all into one game. Um, now, uh, obviously, we, we, we're dealing with a sequel compared to a brand new franchise. And I, I, I think a lot of people would consider. I don't think many people could hand on heart say that they were a fan of the uh, Shadow Man comics before being a fan of the game. I think it's very much that case that people went across 
to the game from the to the comics i think you know if you're looking at a comic book series that i'm obsessed with the walking dead i found the walking dead as a comic before i found it as a tv show but i think that a lot of people found the tv show sorry found the comic after the tv show if you understand my way around things um and i think it's the same with this and i think it does such a good job of you know it doesn't give you everything at once it doesn't treat you like a kid and tells you right you i'm gonna tell you the whole story through and i think both of these do an incredible job of that um which one would be the winner though um i mean the reason why i've read the whole description and i rarely do that on this i read the whole storyline from start to finish is both a f***ing brilliant i mean that they're both absolutely brilliant storylines and it's really hard to say which one i prefer um so i had to sort of make the adult choice of well which one had the lineage and it's hard to take it away even though fair enough resident evil did not did not have a good couple of games after resident evil 2 in my opinion i'm not a fan of resident evil 3 and i'm definitely not a fan of some of the prequels slash revisits until number four which is the best in my opinion um it's it's hard to not give this jinjo to this game because it still continues on to this day um and this was the, these were the seeds that were sown so the storyline jinjo goes to resident evil 2 and i mean anybody who's just gonna ah, i mean it was so close but i just had to bring it down to that one thing because i could not separate the two i couldn't separate the two in the way of storyline they are just two of the best storylines you get on this console by far like spectacular anyway that's one jinjo done let's go on to gameplay So, one nil Resident Evil. We're gonna now go on to gameplay. Because even though, as I said, this could, <laughs> this should have been a Halloween special. <laughs> even though these are both, like, spooky games. The, the, it, it, both of these games are very different with how they play. And they're very different in uh, art styles, comedic styles. I mean... Like, th these are two very, very different games. So it's nice that we're coming to a battle for Jinjos where I don't just have to make some blanket statement of these are all 2.5G platformers. These are both racing games. These are both there, there, there. I, I d it is one of those things that, you know, I've been looking into for, for battles for Jinjos that they, it's nice to be talking about two extremely different games. So we'll start off with Resident Evil 2. It is a survivor horror um, that you, you're sort of linked between two storylines, as the storyline would suggest uh, at the beginning, of that you've got Leon, uh, the cop, on his first day. It's his first day. Um, and then Claire, the student. And the re thing is, is that you, you path off and you cross paths and you do things that are the same on certain bits. And then, I, I mean, the, it's nice that you've almost got two games in one that you will complete it as one character. I, I completed, I remember, the game first of all was Claire, and then I went back and completed it as Leon. Um, 
So it's great on that aspect that you have got two different games, as well as having really, really cool things in there, um, like that you, you can change where the items are. That's really, really cool, that you can just go, right, let's just change where the items live. So it mixes it up. So there's a lot of, here we go, combackability. I'm going to have to get that on a bloody T-shirt, aren't I? Um, it, it's a great sort of mixture as well of uh, the, the action as well as the surviving and loads of little puzzle-solving parts. As everyone knows, my, my favourite game franchise is Zelda. Um, I do love a little bit of a puzzle thrown in with a of sort of differing parts parts that make you stop things parts that make you go ah, i'm sort of trying to survive and resident evil does that really really well in resident evil 2 um and spoilers it is my second favorite resident evil of all time um first number four number four <laughs> i love number four so much i've sworn so much in this podcast already sorry post edit cliff um, moving around every corner and waiting to be scared as well. It, there are those moments that you're sort of on the edge of your seat going, oh, 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 oh. Or it's the anticipation of something happening is more than uh, the actual, you know, the actual thing of being made jump. You know what I mean? It's the anticipation. That gives you more of an adrenaline rush. The great thing of this is, is it, it very much relies off of something that we're very much used to now because of the Resident Evil series. And that is that it's a survivor horror. Um, it gives you only a certain amount of ammo. It, it means that you have to think tactically of when am I going to use this weapon? You know, you get things, you get knives, you but you do get, you know, your, your rounds can only carry a certain amount of um ammunition you can only carry a certain amount of uh, of of inventory so you have to think tactically of what you're going to use as well as what what you're going to use it on and it's it's really you have to think they're either clever and you get the cases that you can store the items in as well so you sort of have to think tactically of what do i need going forward as well as medicines as well as herbs you know creating you know different combinations of those herbs and it, it's just very very clever um i think that you also what makes a very very clever game is the tactical save so you, you use typewriter to save the games um and you only get a certain amount of ink pots so that means that you have to think of when do you want to save when are you going when are you going to save because you don't want to save too far away because if you die you're gonna have to go back and complete hours worth of game or you thinking to yourself well i don't want to do it too often because then i'm gonna run out of these ink splodges you know i think it's it's such a great mix of tactics of not just what you have but when you use them yet again we're coming to that thing of it's not just what you have it's when you use it and it's that survival horror and we see it with later franchises but this is definitely the sort of first game that does it and i think that if you look into the baddies themselves it started and reignited um in my opinion i might be wrong but in my opinion it definitely helped create the beast of zombie um games movies and just pop culture that we have going very strong at the moment or we're just we've just passed the peak i would say because you had yeah I, I i obviously you had like things like the evil dead you had 
you had House of the Living Dead. Yeah, you had these games before, but I think that the popularity of the Resident Evil series and how the games play um, in that survival horror element did create the likes of you know there's so much out there now with zombies like zombies is overkill now <laughs> get it overkill but i mean like i'm looking up at my pop vinyls at the moment and one of my favorite movies of all time is zombie land i love zombie lands taking that comic sort of element into that zombie world and to be honest it's not it doesn't overpower and rely on the zombies themselves but I think that you're looking at one of my favorite comic book franchises of all time. The Walking Dead. Very much relies on that. You know, TV shows, movies. Um, there's so much out there. And I think that if you look at... Yeah, there were things before Resident Evil. But I think if you look at what the catalyst was for it to be a, a huge franchise. And not, not just that. It's just zombies in pop culture. It definitely started here. Now, I think that in the way of jump scares as well, so how this survivor horror starts and how you play it, of that anticipation that happens, happening, has also created a phenomenon outside of the computer games industry with the way of horror mazes and horror festivals. I, I definitely, even, even the immersion that is created by um, s secret cinemas and things on those lines... Um, I think that I, I just I maybe I'm giving this get this game too much credit, but I I would say even though Resident Evil One was a success, Resident Evil Two, it was a game changer in my eyes. And then how the game actually plays. Now it plays off of these. We'll go into the controls first because the controls themselves are a pain in the ass. I've got to admit, it's a bit of a it's, it's a bit of a pain in the ass. It uses these tank controls. So it uses these tank controls. And, and it's very much the case. I never got along with them. I never got along with them. But thankfully, they put in this mode called first person mode. And if it, is, it wasn't for first person mode, I would not be able to play this bloody game. I'll be really honest. I do not get along with that. I know a lot of people do like those tank controls of the... Um, uh, of the Resident Evil series, I really don't. I really couldn't get along with it, and I think it was maybe because I, I, I got into that franchise after everyone else. I used to watch friends play it. I didn't used to play it myself. I used to prefer actually watching people play this game. But the great thing is about this game as well is it, it, it's camera angle, so it, it has a fixed camera point. Now, with the N64, sometimes, or when we were coming into this um, this 32-bit, 64-bit world of 3D games, we've discussed on it with Super Mario 64. We've discussed on it with other games as well, with camera angles, using those C buttons at points to actually, you know, be able to control where you're looking. I think that that fixed point works. And it works really well and adding that depth is because it's come from a 32-bit system to this and we'll come into it in graphics but it, it does really work on the n64 even though this is a huge file coming across i think that was a huge plus for this game and i think if you're looking at other franchises that you could argue oh well could they have done it with a final fantasy 7 this is the reason why it was done with resident evil 2 not with that um i think 
we, we look into baddies as well. We're saying about sort of pop culture icons. Um, you've got the liquor in this. And I think that that liquor is very much an iconic figure of these games. I, I really do say that. I, I think that the liquor is that moment in this game. I believe I am right in saying this, that the liquor was, this is the first time liquor's in there. You know, to the dogs being chased by dogs, to the zombies themselves, that groan of the zombies, to... As I said, there's just some very, very clever parts in this. And I've seen, like, even in horror mazes, like when you're going through the bus. Like, at Fort Park, they they, did, they don't no longer do it, unfortunately. So you can't actually go and see it. But they used to have a Walking Dead maze that you went through a bus. And literally, I went, well, this is copied from Resident Evil 2. As soon as I walked into this bus, there's a, there's a zombie sat at the end. Juicy, like, a zombie sort of sat there trying to grab at you. You know, in the bus, you've got the zombie that's crawling along the floor, as well as, you know, being going to go down into the suit. I mean, it's it's so iconic, and it sticks in with people. And I know this is really weird saying this part in gameplay. But I think it does. It, the gameplay itself adds to that tension of this game by far. So, Shadow Man for the N64. Now, as I said, these are two very different feeling games. Because this is uh, it's not what you expect. If you were to play this you would consider it a bit more like what we saw with indiana jones and the infernal machine because it does have that feel to the game don't get me wrong it does have that feel to the game it does have that very tomb raider-esque you know especially with the jumping and you know it's a bit better than the jumping that we saw in um uh in um uh indiana jones to be honest but it's got that feel of that but it's more free roaming um, it's really, really odd because you've got the live, you've got, you've got the live side, you've got the dead side, and it's really free roaming in the way of that. It's it's a completely open world. You you do get a map with the game if you originally can find it as well. Um, that you've got the live side of Louisiana, you've got you've got the dead side as well, and you can unlock different paths when you learn them by collecting enough uh, Dark Souls uh, or yeah, so. Once you collect more Dark Souls, you can make Shadow Man's uh, actual abilities go up, which means it unlocks different areas. I think it's it's really, really clever in that aspect. Um, you, you've got that shooting platformer style as well. As I said, you've you've got those jumps to make in a platformer style. You've got the shooting side as well as having lots of weapons to your disposal. If that's shooting weapons to, uh, to handheld weapons, to melee weapons... Um, there's loads of different bits and pieces and you you can really take control of this failed English major cab, slash cab driver uh, from Chicago um, and you know really it, it feels like a bit of an adventure and it feels like you have to think about this so if you're looking at if you are a big Zelda fan if you're a big adventure game fan then this is a game for you uh, if you are not a Zelda fan then maybe not for you. Martin, just pray, because whoever wins this, Martin from now and then 64 has to play it. Um, Martin, pray that this game does not win, because you know that you really don't like Zelda games. Well, this is very... Or you don't like Ocarina of Time. This is very Ocarina of Time. Like, 
very Ocarina of Time. Like, you will get to points where you go, shit, I really don't know what I'm meant to be doing at this point. Um, also, what's really, really nice about this is that you've sort of got the... You're having to bring back, uh, so you're the bringer of, uh, of death, of the death taking souls. You're having to bring back these souls. You're gonna have to collect them. You you have to try and figure out why, what abilities do I need at what times. Um, there, do you know what as well? They, this learnt. We were talking about camera angles. This this definitely learnt uh, from the um, uh, the Zelda games with the Z targeting as well. Uh, Z targeting works really well, and it it doesn't hold your hand for it as well because the Z targeting can easily disconnect when you're actually uh, in fights. Um, you've got a nice array of uh, baddies to face off against, um, as well as weapons. As I said, um, th there's plenty of times you're gonna get to that point where you don't know quite what you're doing there's one guy there's one guy that you come into contact with or snake snake he's a snake uh he's a snake <laughs> in the dead uh, dead side and that is jaunty Mikey, what's up you're looking more peaked than you usually do it's Nettie. she's fallen into a coma uh, i'm not surprised she was always one for more than a drop of the hard stuff Never knows when to stop. So I tell you, she used to go like the clappers down the old white horse in. Jaunty, will you listen? The prophecy is coming true. Nettie used L'Eclipse Aid to give me my shadow powers when confronting the five. Now the shadow has fallen, and the prophecy is about to be fulfilled. It seems to me that everything I do just brings us nearer to Apocalypse, to the end of all things. Will you get a bloody grip on yourself, Michael? Nettie may be something of a head case, but she knows what she's doing. She knew this would happen. It's supposed to happen. Can't you see that? That's the thing about prophecies. They have a habit of coming through. All right, all right. But it seems to me that somehow I'm responsible for everything that's happening. Maybe I should just get out now before it's too late. I never saw you as a giver up, Michael. And even if we are in a situation of damned if we do and damned if we don't, it's always better to go out fighting. Get as many of them dark souls as you can, build up your shadow powers till you're positively bursting with them, and then go and kick the arse of whatever's behind this. I really can't give you any more advice than that. Once again, Jaunty, I find myself in your debt. Your advice is sound. I shall do as you say. And look, if it all goes belly up, you can come back here and kick the arse from here to Hades. And if it doesn't, and we win the day, I'll be buying you that drink. Even if you are an annoying, half-witted, skull-headed snake. Ah, flattery will get you everywhere, Shadow Man. They'll be off with you. There's a just a clip. It, it had to, this this podcast had to include a clip of Jaunty. Um, the great thing is this, and we'll go into this when we come into graphics and sound as well. Um, that it does feel so open. It does it feels really open. And it, it's not trying to take you down a path. I do love games like that. I love, 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 love games like that. Where it's just trying to, you know, let you have an adventure with the gameplay. And as I said, it's so varied in the different things that you will be doing with the puzzle solving to, okay, so am I going to have to have the ability to allow Shadow Man to climb up a waterfall at this point? 
um, to the point of that you, you've got really good shootouts, you've got different types of enemies that you have to really take your time and think of how am I going to bring them down as well as the five bosses as well. Um, as well as the end boss. Now, the end boss, I'm not going to give that away uh, how it ends, but it's really satisfying. Really satisfying when you take him down. Really, really stupidly satisfying. Um, it's, it's, it's really clever. I just really like the game in the way of that. It, 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 it made me feel like, oh, this is going to be very Indiana Jones. You know, it's going to take me from level to level to level to level to level. And then I think I was on uh, live side. So I was running around. I got killed by these dogs and ended up in dead side. And I was like, oh, oh, we're back in the game. Oh, so d what do I do now? And, you know, it makes you think you're going, well, I'm dead. So I'm back here. And it does really make you think it doesn't it doesn't explain what it's going to do either. It just sort of you end up dead and then there and you're like, oh, I'm here now. This is my life. <laughs> so, this is my life now. Um, I, I, I mean, it's so entertaining to play. Now, if you're looking at both gameplays, both gameplays, um, we've, yeah, I just, I don't know if it's the tank mechanics. Obviously, you've got first-person mode, which does make it a little bit easier playing the game, or it did for me uh, with Resident Evil 2. But I think that uh, the, the lovely thing with Shadow Man that in the gameplay that I really felt that it, it threw me a curveball that I thought it was going to be one thing and it really wasn't. It was a gameplay that I really enjoyed, that adventure, that freedom. So on that note, I would say that between the two, the more fun in the way of gameplay, yeah, it's nice to have a bit of a, a investigation... Resident Evil 2, it's it's fun, I get it. At the same time, for gameplay, the Jinjo has to go to Shadow Man. I promise I don't do this. I promise I don't deliberately draw it. And on that note, I can't draw it this time. We go on to the third Jinjo, which is sound and graphics. So, let's see who brings breaks this deadlock. Who's going to do it? Resident Evil 2 or Shadow Man with sound and graphics. And we'll start with Resident Evil 2. Sound. Composers. So, so, so important for both of these games to be atmospheric as well as add that air of dread. And that air of, oh, what's around the next corner? And if you're looking at two composers, so here's some more Japanese names for me to destroy with Resident Evil 2. And we've got uh, Shusaku uh, Uchi Uchiyama. I think I did all right there. And uh, <laughs> Masami uh, Ueda. Um, I think I did all right there. Sorry again if I butchered it. Um, th these guys, you know, so influential to the Resident Evil franchise, as well as doing Mega Man beforehand. Um, but it, they created such a piece of atmospheric music in the way of that it, it's, it's great because it just doesn't need music all of the time. And it really understands when to be silent. This is what I love about this game. It knows when to be silent and just have the echoing footsteps or the creaking of doors when you're going through them or that hearing the drops in the sewers to... 
you know, it's it's just very, very, very clever. And what makes the sound even more clever on this is that this game uses the full Dolby surround sound. I mean, it it, it can you uh, that's incredible. Not just in the way of how they got that music onto the cart. So they actually used a high sample rate of the instruments that were used in the PlayStation version. Version, so it sounds better. However, because it had to go on that car, it had to have a heavy amount of compression to it as well. So in the world of sound, which is sort of my world being a podcaster, so you're looking at, yes, it would have more depth because you're adding a better high sample of those uh, those instruments being played. But at the same time, it could sound a little tinny because you're compressing it. It's quite like with this. I'm, I'm, I create a podcast and it's in a wave file, which is a much larger file than what you're listening to it because I have to then compress that down into an mp3 so when I'm doing my editing it sounds a better quality than what you guys listen to it in and I have to always think of you know how it's going to sound it's really odd that you always have to think of that you have to think of your bases you have to think of you know if it's going to sound too loud too quiet for you uh you know and you have to then uh, there's so much to think of and even in the bed music will the bed music become too if it's not bassy enough will it be that it overpowers me so is the same with this game that it created those great high samples of music and put it in there now my opinion it is better of the music in the N64 version compared to the music that you got in that uh, that PlayStation version. But I, I think it could be open to discussion in my eyes. But um, both games used the expansion pack as well. So if you're looking in the graphics side of things, both of these games use that expansion pack. Now, if we look at this game, what it does... Now, it's created a 32-bit game, and... Look, we're talking about compression. Compression is such a big part of what we talk about with these games. And we, we've already spoken about how much information they were able to put on this 64 meg cut. Now, if you're looking at... They put in all of those cutscenes, all of those bits and pieces. But actually, what the expansion pack did and the extra RAM in the actual um, console itself, it made the detail on the 3D sprites better than what you had in the PlayStation version. Now, uh, to my knowledge of me doing the research, I think they are 2G backgrounds still, so they're, they're almost 2D images rather than the uh, being 2G landscapes. So it's almost like you they say, right, this is the path that you can take, and then they stick a picture over that path. That's, that's to my knowledge that I can see what they did. Um, and the reason behind that was that compression down to the cart. But those 3D models actually take more of a light of their own uh, in this version. And uh, you could even say that this version of the game is the definitive version of this game. And I would agree. It looks better than it did on the um, PlayStation. Um, and it, it just... It's just really lovely. I just think it's... It's really cool. I like this. There's certain things that really make it stand out as well. Being able to change the blood color. I know that sounds really weird because both of these games could have easily had Nintendo Nintendo it. If you understand my meaning. Turn it very family friendly. 
Um, and I think maybe the changing of colours in this were to do with that. Maybe Tofu as well. I don't know if Tofu, the secret character, was in the originals. But maybe that was to do with Nintendo. I'm not too sure. But it actually adds that element of... It's a bit different. It's a bit funny. You can have green blood. You can, you know, you can change it up a bit. Um, so I, I think that the argument of is this the best version of Resident Evil 2 you can play? Yes, it is. And that may well be the reason of why after this game, uh, this game had its success, that Resident Evil 4 was a launch title for the GameCube, as well as being an exclusive for the GameCube as well. That's huge for, Re for Cap Capcom, Capcom to turn around and give that level of power to Nintendo. That's pretty cool. Obviously, they, they decided to make it everywhere when the GameCube did not sell as well as they were expecting. But still, I think that's awesome. Um, as well as, you know, you've got those elements of with the graphics. As I said, it takes its time. It doesn't do anything like... It doesn't try and do anything spectacular with those graphics. You know, when you're going from room to room, it's kept the original sort of black outline with a door creaking open or wherever you're travelling to. Um, the, the animations are good enough, you know, that, you know, that these zombies seem to be walking along at fairly slow pace and... You know, but it adds to that immersion that you are actually being hunted by zombies. Um, there's enough. Um, I, I think nowadays you notice a bit more. Um, I don't think back then you did, but there's enough zombie characters in it to make it not feel like you're being chased by the same one. But I would say nowadays, because we are so used to a game having unique sprites <laughs> you do feel a bit like oh it's the policeman zombie oh it's the woman with the black t-shirt zombie you know you do feel a little bit of that but i think it's you can't really that's looking at it from a 2021 point of view rather than a 1999 point of view so it's it scores very highly and i think actually looking at it it it's beautiful. It's a beautiful game and definitely stands out as one of the best. But another one that does stand out as one of the best is Shadow Man. This is a difficult decision. So composed by Tim, Tim Hayward. Big shout out to Tim Hayward. Composer of this brilliant atmospheric, again I'm going to use that word, atmospheric. But it's, it's not just the horror survivor game that music that we get in Resident Evil. It's not just there to add suspense. It's a weird mixture of action slash tension slash almost superhero movie-esque, um, you know, uh, sound. I, th I think it's, it becomes very cinematic, the music for uh, Shadow Man. And it does. If we go into the storyline, the storyline feels very cinematic as well. Obviously, it, is, it didn't really have much of a sequel, so it is a one-and-done deal, and it does feel like a one-and-done movie. That It's not just in the storyline of getting used to the characters, but that music itself. It picks up when it needs to. But then you've got the sound effects in there that you've got sort of the creaks and the woods and the drops of water, the footsteps changing depending where you're walking. You've got the full cutscenes in there as well. Um, we've loads of dialogue, really good, di di 
I mean dialogue, not just not just words on a screen, but actual sit back and enjoy the story. And I know that we're coming back on story, but sit back and enjoy it. And it feels very, as I said, cinematic. Um, there's also di- massive differences between that sort of the li- live side and the dead side. And it actually, as you progress through the game, it becomes darker and darker and darker. Almost your impending doom or the apocalypse is upon you. Um, as well as it uses uh, Acclaim's really, really cool system, which was called Vista at the time. Um, now, Vista was a, a complete new system that they were using that really added the shadow and the light effects and really added a depth to this game um, to the point of that you you can really... you When you're walking through darker areas... or when you're getting the bit of the light come through it looks beautiful it really stands out and it takes full advantage of that uh expansion pack as well to make it even more beautiful now one thing that it does sometimes suffer with that resident evil 2 doesn't is there is sometimes a bit of slowdown um because if you go onto that game, you know, Acclaim were famous with the amount of fog that they put <laughs> into the Turok games. This game has no fog. Like, literally, it goes on forever. And I think that's what causes sometimes a bit of slowdown. So, well done on Acclaim for not relying on the god of fog. But at the same time, I think that's what causes the slowdown. And it's, it, it's not that he struggles on a 64-bit system. It isn't that. Because if you have a look, and we'll go through the scores that it was given with other consoles in a moment. Um, and in my opinion, what was the best version? Uh, what I've seen. I haven't played it, unfortunately. But what I've seen was the best version. If you have a look at that, it definitely... It, it did not find a home on the 32-bit bit. Found a nice home on the uh, 64 and then 128 bit, it found a possible stayer. But I, I think that, yeah, with the 64 bit, the major issues that it did have is because it did not use any fog and it tried to make it feel like it was a really open world that you can go and investigate lovely, it did give it sometimes some slowdown, which is, I mean, I'm clutching at straws with this, is that that's the problem that I find with this. Because, I mean, it's, it's the sound in it, the, the graphics, um, the sort of real immersion into this storyline. It's, and yet again, between the two, very hard to decide on. Now, music-wise, I can't really split the two between them. So it comes down to graphics. And the sole reason of that slowdown is where I'm going to give it to one game. So, one uses 2D images and allows your 3D, very nice, clean, best version of those 3D models to walk around those environments. One involves a whole... It's really ambitious, actually. Do you know what? The ambition of those 3D worlds is absolutely incredible. And I think it's actually that you can see the difference between... uh, 1996 games and 1999 games now we're coming into the latter part of this console you can see where developers especially claim because they work so closely with nintendo were really coming into their own so the jinjo for sound and graphics goes to shadow man and this is the end game ladies and gents now we're gonna go on to what the critics thought But most importantly, 
What did you guys think? Uff. Uff. Not a bad uff either. This is a good uff. This is a this is an uff of uh, that I really, really, really enjoyed this episode. I have so enjoyed this episode. I've so enjoyed recording it. It's a bit sad that it's coming to an end. This is this has turned into one of my favourite ones I've investigated. The two games themselves. I've really enjoyed playing them. But let's see what you think but first of all what the critics thought so let's go on to resident evil 2 so selling units so resident evil oh here we go so resident evil 2 came out in japan and shadow man didn't so resident evil 2 sold 560,000 units and shadow man scored 270,000 units which ladies ladies and gentlemen cliff spirit right again yay yay you're meant to be clapping. I'm right again. Be happy for me. Anyway. Um, but no. Uh, it's, yeah, so they're not the biggest selling games for this console, but half a million and quarter of a million. That's not... That's still not to be sniffed at. You know, nowadays, obviously, we see a lot more than that with digital sales and things like that. And obviously, you've got to remember, these are multi-platform games. This is just how many they sold on this one platform. So, let's go on to what IGN thought. First of all, Resident Evil 2. Well, after years of waiting, Capcom has finally brought its Survivor Horror franchise to the Nintendo 64 in the form of Resident Evil 2, a port of the PlayStation original. While this, while this may not be Resident Evil Nemesis, or Zero for that matter, it's a very strong start for what will hopefully be a good things to come. Resident Evil 2 for the N64 is, quite frankly, the best version of the game anybody living in the US is going to get. The title features all the scares of the PlayStation game, plus new X-Files. No, not, th not those X-Files, stop. EX files, God's sake, that reveal more about the storyline of the franchise. More, it boosts improved visuals thanks to the 4 megabyte expansion expansion pack, enhanced resolution mode. Ugh, let's put a comma in there. And smooths smoothened out pre-rendered backdrops with no jaggies. Not enough. How about the fact that the title also features all of the FMV cutscenes? Does uh, from the PlayStation game and also runs on surround sound. And thanks to the cartridge format, you can kiss load times goodbye. Although the door animations from the PlayStation version are carried over. Hardcore Resident Evil fans have more than a few reasons to check out the N64 version of the game. And for those of you who have never played the PlayStation or PC, it's a must-have. So, what are you waiting for? And that's a good question. What are you waiting for? So, we go on to the what IGN thought of Shadow Man. Now, the thing with Shadow Man, it's really strange. And before we go on to actually what IGN thought of the game... It's, it's so weird how I've never seen a crossover game 
that starts off badly and ends up well. You know, if you're looking at popularity of the consoles, yeah? So the PlayStation of the fifth generation is definitely the best-selling, yeah? Then we've got the N64. Then we've got the Dreamcast. To say that the best version of this came out for the Dreamcast is definitely a sign of the power that the Dreamcast and the N64 had over the PlayStation. And it was. Like, if you're looking internally with the power, it destroys it. Yes, with CDs, you could pack a hell of a lot on there. But if you haven't got the hardware to be able to process it, yes, you're going to see a different in-game. Because if you're having a look at the IGN score for the PlayStation version, it was 4 out of 10. And then the the Dreamcast version, without giving out what this one's going to be, is 8.5 out of 10. So let's have a look, read into what Shadow Man, what they had to say about Shadow Man on the N64. Shadow Man is a rock-solid adventure game all round. A third-person title boosts uh, a superb graphics engine with establi- uh, that establishes time and time again, but even more, that the game itself is complex clever and addictive it's a title that is fully aimed at older audience says shadow man project leader simon phillips oh it's coming from him um (laughs) the one that threw me you can't make people laugh easily in a game you certainly can't make you can't make them cry but you can scare the out of them (laughs) i like that (laughs) Simon Phillips, sorry, Phipps, Phipps, spell Phipps, Phipps, is that a typo, Phipps, anyway, um, that's exactly what Shadow Man intends to do when it hits retailers in less than a week, if you own an N64, this is definitely one of the big ones, so what did they score, so Shadow Man on IGN for the N64, Scored 8 out of 10. That's really big. We're still in those years that, you know, we it's been said on UCN, um, a podcast that I brought up a lot under consultation. You know, they, they, we, we go into the basis of if it was 7 out of 10 or above, it's something that you would definitely look at buying. It's not like lower days where you just look at the 10 out of 10s. So 8 out of 10, really good. But... The winner of this Jinjo and bringing it back to a bloody draw with a 9.1. It has to have a 0.1. Why did it have to have a 0.1? 9.1 out of 10 is Resident Evil 2. And I've got me. I'm not surprised because everywhere, like everywhere, the definitive version of this game, the best version of this game you can play, that like it's everywhere. And I think, like, them bringing up about the load times is definitely the reason why, <laughs> you know, to get everything in there. Plus no load times. I bet, I bet PlayStation owners were a bit jealous of that at that time. But do you know what? Let's find out what all you lovely lot thought of this game, shall we? Let's have a look at the little Twitter poll and see who scored up there. And if anybody had any clever things to say. And... 34 of you voted 34 of you well done you nutters lot 34 of you voted for this and it was a close tie at one point as we all know if you watch the twitch streams i can't do a poll without you lot drawing it It, i thought you guys were gonna draw it again unintentionally because 
unintentionally, not unintentionally, that's not a word, unintentionally, because you guys do it on purpose on the Twitch streams, you almost did it without knowing about it. I posted a picture when it got to 50% each, I was like, oh, you're joking me. But here we are, there is a winner, and it is close. So let's go on to what you guys thought of it first. So first of all, James Station 64 and if you haven't watched these videos yet, I might have played Superman 64 on some streams. This guy played the worst football game of all time, FIFA 64. He he reviewed that for your 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 sins. Go and go and give him a watch. James Station 64. Go and do it now. Not now. Finish the podcast. Because I care about my average listener times. So afterwards, though, go and listen, all right? Uh, but James Station 64 says, I love Res 2. Not played the N64 version, though. Come on. You're going to have to solve that. I know it's not a cheap cart to pick up nowadays. You get it for about 90 quid. It's an expensive one, but go and make it so. Go and get yourself a lovely EverDrive and go and enjoy it. But going to going with Shad's due to Jaunty. Jaunty's awesome. Love Jaunty. And pooping myself every time the Sisters of Blood activate. Yeah, that's that's weird. That, that's not that that's that's a bit scary. Don't like it. All that Rampus. Uh Rampus Bell 64. Everyone changing their names to 64, aren't they? See, I'm glad I'm influencing you all. Uh, no way Shadow Man will win. But overall, I think it is the better game than Resident Evil 2. So much more depth to it. And one of the people that is a massive, 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 massive... Um, like, he is a champion of this game. Not just playing it. I mean a champion of telling people why this game is great. And that is Neil, who's on a lot of our streams. Massive supporter of this. He is a massive champion of Shadow Man. Uh, I, I really mean it. I think Sh Shadow Man is definitely the game with more depth. But at the same time, it's, it, Resident Evil 2 is iconic. This is not an easy one. And this is why we're sat at 2-0. So, without further ado, chosen for by the listeners and viewers of N64 Life, the winner... Of the final Jinjo. To a percentage of 56% versus 44%. And more importantly, the game that Now and Then 64 Martin will be playing is Resident Evil 2. <laughs> that was lovely. I mean that this was one of my favourites to record. It was fun to play those games. It was fun to research the games. It was fun just to just to take my time because I wasn't. I was feeling a bit stressed from work, and I sort of delayed it because of that. And you you have to be in the right frame of mind. And to be honest, I think I've learned that last year I did take a little bit of a hiatus from doing the podcast over the Christmas period because I tore my trapezius muscle. But I think next year, I think we will have like a definitely after the maybe October, um, end of October, we will have like a little bit of a month and a bit off 
um before christmas maybe just sort of do a christmas special boxing day special um new year special we might do those but i think that that's and i'm gonna have to take my times off from doing this because i don't know it's, it's just retail isn't it it's just really stressful in retail over christmas and black fridays and in peak incentive oh god it's just fries your brain it really does really does so my brain really wasn't up for it so what is next for n64 life it's our christmas slash new year special and that is gonna be with all of the subscribers to n64 life podcast on twitch you've still got an opportunity to be part of it if you've listened to this now you can still be a part of it i will announce next week the date that we will be recording so all you need to do is hit that subscribe button even if it's just for this month hit that subscribe button uh then come and join us over on the discord community and you will get a link for the day that the recording will happen on and you can be involved with talking about all those n64 games that you received on christmas day all of those games in general you received on christmas day it doesn't have to be n64 it can be Game Boy, it can be PlayStation, it can be Dreamcast, it can be, you know, some of you are really old, it can be Atari's, um, <laughs> or it can be just being your favourite Christmas presents. What were those Christmas presents that you opened and you were superly excited about? Like I was saying about the Talk Boy on Twitter earlier, I can't wait to talk about the Talk Boy. You know, we're going to have a big group discussion. And you can get and have your say of what your favourite parts of Christmas were as a kid of the 90s or noughties or 80s or whenever you're bloody born. There's loads of things. These things started, our loves for, my love for the N64 started as a kid, continues still to this day. So yeah, so come and join in that. And we will be back in the new year where we will be continuing on with the Battle for Jinjos, with the mini histories. Uh, We've got a big mini history in April. Oh, Star Fox 64 slash Lilac Wars in April. That will be the next mini history we face off against, um, as well as the uh, brilliant... um, discussions with all you guys um which is the player two eight and enters the pod i have got a list i mean if you're listening to this and you go cliff's not got back to me don't worry you're part of a bloody list a mile long i think i've got about a year's worth of podcasts just in those so those people that have said i want to be on one you will don't worry um can't wait to talk to all of you about this lovely piece of grey plastic or orange plastic if I look at my Japanese Pikachu one Um, (laughs) it's a bit over the top but I can't wait to talk to you you know I I will talk to you once more before the end of this year but I really want to say a huge thank you to absolutely everyone listening you do you know if you're not it doesn't matter if you're not a subscriber and you know money money i don't do this because of money i'm not in this for the short term don't worry if i do like take six week hiatus from doing the podcast it's not over it's not done with it's just gosh shit happening one day i'd love to do this for a living it's very unlikely though but that's not going to stop me making these it's not going to stop me enjoy making you lot smile i hope it has made one of you smile at least and do you know what it's the christmas special next I'm going to wrap it up with that. And I shall see you all very, very soon.
Dust, a nightmare. The most intense survival game ever created, Resident Evil 2. Now for Nintendo 64.